Welcome to the True North Podcast. This podcast is about navigating through today's culture in the direction that lands at the heart of God. Let's go! last week we're, we're still talking about harvest and last week you know we we were we're in Matthew chapter 9 verses 37 38 you have to turn there uh, and we also were in John chapter 4 27 through 42 it was the story of uh, Fotini which is the woman at the well also known as the mother of evangelist you know just a quick recap harvest it means the the season for gathering and crops ripe the word ripe means fully grown and developed, mature, perfect state. Somebody say perfect state. So Jesus said that the harvest, when he told the disciples, he said, hey, you know, pray, pray that the master send laborers because the harvest is ripe. So if you put those two definitions together, literally, it's the perfect season for gathering crops. Amen. Amen. Now, when he said uh, it's the perfect season for gathering crops, he wasn't talking about you and I going out to the field and picking corn. You know, grabbing cotton, grabbing turnips. Um, I was on one of my routes in Jackson, and I passed by this big turnip field. Now, I wish I could say I looked at the product and knew, oh, that's a turnip field. I did not. There was a sign that said turnips. You can, and, but uh, Granny, I'm so sorry. I should have got the address because it was, they had a sign. <laughs> they had a sign that said, you know, pit, you know, you can come and pick them. And I thought, and there's a few cars out there, people picking them. I was like, oh, okay. And it triggered a memory. Uh, as a kid, and I've told Kelsey this before, but uh, Dre, there's this one, there's this one summer where I stayed with Granny, and uh, her and Lucille. Uh, I remember one uh, one day I was I was you know doing my normal stuff, watching my PBS shows, you know, eating my cereal, you know, just living the good old life, no school. And uh, she said, "Okay, baby, let's go." So I'm like, "Okay, where are we going?" You know, it's got to be somewhere good because I'm having to turn the TV off. If I got to turn the TV off, you know, hopefully, you know, I'm thinking we're going to go to Pizza Inn or you know we're going to you know whatever celebration station. You know how it is as your kid, you have the imagination. We get we get in the Blue Dynasty. We go over to Aunt Lucille's house, pick up Aunt Lucille, and off we go. I'm just you know watching. I'm like, all right, you know, this don't look like celebration station. Pizza Inn is that way. You know, and we keep on going and going. And also, we come up on this turnip field, and they get out. Baby, you just stay here. We, me and Lucy, we're going to go and pit some of these. I'm like, ah. <laughs> and I remember I just, just smudging my nose against the car window, just watching them like, ooh, is it over? Is it over? Lord, is it over? Please, please. <laughs> when Jesus said it's the right time for picking crops, he wasn't talking about us picking uh, he wasn't saying like, hey, it's the perfect time for you to go pick crops like actual corn and turnips and all that. It was a metaphor for him talking about humanity. It is the right time. It's the right time for the gathering of hearts and humanity. Why is that? Somebody say why. why? The reason why is because in Romans chapter 5, verses 6 through 11, you don't have to turn there, but I encourage you if you're taking notes, read it, study it out. But it's the perfect season for gathering hearts because of what Paul said in Romans chapter 5, verses 6 through 11. He said, at the right time, we were saved. I love that. At the right time, you and I were saved. You know what the right time is? The right time. The right time, watch this, it's not the wrong time. It's the perfect time. Literally, Paul said, at the right time, we were saved, redeemed, rescued, and freed by what Jesus did at the cross and through his resurrection. Amen? Amen. 
So after Jesus rose from the grave, literally as he's ascended to heaven, he gives us our one job. You know, some, uh, mo most of us has always known this as the Great Commission. But today I want to come from Matthew chapter 28, verses 18 and 19. It's famously, notoriously known as the Great Commission. Um, you, know, uh, you know, when I think of it, I think of it as our one job. You ever been to a restaurant and, you know, they, you, know you go to KFC and they ain't got chicken ready. You're like, man, you have one job. Your job, it's in the name, Kentucky Fried Chicken. Like, the chicken should be fried, not broiled, not grilled, deep fried, laid to the side, and then, you know, available at, my, at, at the ready. But in Matthew chapter 28, verse 18 and 19, <clears throat> then Jesus came close to them and said, all the authority of the universe has been given to me. And watch this in verse 19. Now, wherever you go, somebody say, wherever you go make disciples of all nations, baptizing them um, in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Now, I love this because, obviously, like I said, this is, we've known this as the Great Commission. But within this verse, we have the uh, everywhere clause. You know what the everywhere clause is? Uh, when I think of the everywhere clause, I think of the Santa Claus. You know, you got that clause within the, you know, the everywhere clause. Within the commission, there is the everywhere clause. The everywhere clause is everywhere you go, make disciples. Everywhere you go, make disciples. Somebody said that with me. Everywhere you go, make disciples. I feel like a Montessori teacher. <laughs> But Jesus said, wherever you go, make disciples of all nations. Everywhere we go, we are to be making disciples everywhere we exist. So that means that if we're at the gas station, we should be praying and saying, okay, Lord, is there somebody, is there a heart here that you desire? And that's tough because when we're at the gas station, we're just focused on pumping that gas. We're focused on, did, did it go up two pennies? Oh, man, I think Dodge Store is down three pennies. Man, you know what? Can I make it a Dodge? Oh, you know what? Nah, I'll burn the we're, we're, we're focused, we're so focused on, or, or if you're a parent and the kids are in the car, you're focused on how long can I, can I uh, maximize on these few minutes before I got to get back in the car and hear, da, da, blah, blah, you know, or you're focused on, you know what, nobody's looking, what if I just take the hose and, you know, stand it straight up to get all that I can, but keep the lever down. That way it's not charged, but you're still, you know, just trinkling. I used to do that back in our first couple of years of marriage. I used to embarrass Kelsey, but I didn't care. I was like, we're going to get all the gas. <laughs> I remember one time, uh, it actually happened this week. I was filling the mail car, and I pulled the, pulled the handle off the pump and uh, get ready to pump it. I hadn't even, I haven't even pressed the lever, but as soon as I pulled it, some gas dripped out. It's like, ah, I'm paying for that. <laughs> I'm like, who did that? I was like, pranksters. <laughs> but when we're at the gas station, we're focused on ourselves. You know, at the, when we're at the grocery store, we're focused on our needs. We're focused on our wants. We're focused on what we are able, uh, what we have available to get, or what we don't have. We're not focused on anybody else. We're not focused on the other people. If they're, we we don't ask ourselves, man. I wonder, does that person have enough to get that in their cart? You know, I wonder is that person, you know, I wonder what they're going through. I wonder if they're struggling. Or we see somebody that reminds us of our past or from our past and we're trying to avoid or, or, or better yet, uh, you know, if we run into them, we try, to, we try to put on the mask and the facade like everything's okay because we don't want them to see the real us. But Jesus said, everywhere you go, you should be making disciples. See, a disciple is someone who believes in Jesus as their Lord and Savior, intentionally learns from him, and strives to live more like him. Amen? 
That's what a disciple is. So Matthew chapter 28, verse 19, Jesus said, go make disciples. Now, I know we only have it in the Passion Translation, but I want to read it in the Message Translation because Eugene Peterson, he interprets uh, verse 19 this way. He says, he says, Jesus, undeterred, went right ahead and gave his charge. God authorized and commanded me to commission you. Go out and train everyone you meet. So he interprets making disciples as go out and train everyone you meet. He says, go out and train everyone you meet far and near in this way of life, marking them by baptism in the threefold name, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Then instruct them in the practice of all I have commanded you. I'll be with you as you do this day after day after day, right up to the end of the age. So I love that phrase. Go out and train everyone you meet far and near in this way of life. So you, you and I, if we've, if we made the decision to follow Jesus, then we should be going out. Somebody say go. go. The gospel. You can't spell gospel without the word go. I learned that from, uh, from uh, camp meeting. Can't mean you can't spell the gospel without go. You know, but I mean, that's that's intentional. If we if we are to be recipients of the gospel, then we need to be going. We need to be moving forward. But Eugene Peterson, Peterson, he interprets it as go out and train everyone we meet. What do we train them to do? We train them in this way of life. What way of life is that? Reflecting the image of God. Reflecting the image of Jesus. See, the way you and I are to live our life is in a way that reflects the image of God in our conversations. Our conversations should look like Jesus. How does that happen? And it looks that that happens by us not gossiping. See, when you don't gossip, you sound like Jesus. You look like Jesus. You talk like Jesus. When we don't gossip, we should be reflecting the image of God in our eating habits. We should eat because we're hungry, not eat because people made us mad, not eat because you're worried, not eat because you're confused, not eat. And I'm talking to myself, not eat because, oh, that just looks good, even though you're full. Ah, that's red velvet. I can't tell red velvet. No, me and red velvet, we, you know, we got this thing, you know, that we, we just got this. No, we should reflect God in our spending habits, our entertainment choices, our dating, our marriage, the way we parent our kids, all those things, we should be reflecting the image of God. That's the way of life that we're supposed to be training people to do. Let me give you an example. Literally, when, uh, if, you, if you invoke the, gossip, the no gossip policy in your conversations, then what's going to happen is people are going to hear you and they're going to be like, hey, man, that, you, you must, are, you, are, you, are you a Christian? Because Jesus is all loving and right now you're sounding a lot like him. That's what's going to happen when we begin to reflect the image of God in our conversations. Is that what people say and believe about us? Or, or does your conversations and entertainment choices lead them to believe that you follow yourself instead of Jesus? When people look at and hear the way you talk, talk to people and talk about them, are they convinced that you follow Jesus or are they convinced that you follow yourself? When the Lord's telling me that, I was like, oh, Jesus. I probably should give a disclaimer before we started, but this, if, if you got something to cover your toes, you might want to do it because they might get smushed this morning. But according to Jesus, we are to make disciples. How are we to make disciples? By training them in the Jesus way of life. How do we do this? Jesus already showed us how to do this. Uh, whenever you look in the Gospels and you see every encounter that he had, the first encounters with all the 12 disciples. But literally, he met each of the 12 in their own place in life and asked them to follow him. 
ask them to learn from him. So Jesus, he showed us how to make disciples by going and meeting each of the 12 and asking them to follow him and learn from him. Well, Lindsay, what was they supposed to learn? They were supposed to learn how to live this life, watch this, by watching Jesus live this life. That's what they were, that's, that's what he wanted them to learn. Hey, I want to show you, imagine Jesus seeing Peter. Hey, I want to show you how to live this life. I want to show you how to be fishers of men. Look, first off, I'll show you how to catch some fish, put you down on the other side, and trust, trust in the words that I have said and put you down on the other side. Put them down on the other side. Catch so much fish that it breaks the record. They had to get other people to help them bring it in. So now I've shown you how to do what you've been doing. Let me show you how to do something else. Let me show you how to do what you were always born to do. Because, see, they were fishing out of necessity. They were fishing because, hey, taxes are due. Uh, we got to eat. Family's got to eat. Da, da, da. We need to be able to provide for our home. Let me, you know, so Jesus is like, let me, I'll help you do what, you, what you're supposed to do, what you got to do. But also, let me teach you how to do what you were born to do. I remember when we was youth pastors, I used to tell the kids all the time, and I quoted John Maxwell, but the two most important days of every person's life is the day you were born and the day you discover why. The day you were born and the day you discover why you was put on this earth, why you was put in the family that you were placed in, why you was put on that job, why you was placed in this community, why you was placed at that uh, job with the coworkers, even if you get along with them or don't get along with them, why you was placed at the grocery store at this time uh, and point in time, why, why, why? Those are the two most important days when you realize, hey, I was born, and then I was born for this. Amen? Amen. <clears throat> But literally, he wanted them to follow him and learn from him, learn how to live this life. Paul, Paul goes along with this in 1 Thessalonians chapter 2, verse 8. With a mother's love and affectionate attachment to you, we were very happy, talking about, um, talking about all of the disciples and apostles, watch this, we were very happy to share with you not only the gospel of God, but watch this, but also our lives because you have become so dear to us. So Paul was saying, listen, we were so happy not just to share, some translations say, we were happy not just to share doctrine with you, but also to share how we lived with you. That's what discipleship looks like, that we are, you are sharing your lives with people. In the discipleship making process, if you didn't know this, I should have said it earlier, but if you made the decision to follow Jesus, you are now deputized to make disciples. I remember uh, when I, my first day of training for, for my job, went, drove all the way to Memphis, uh, you know, and, well, we, Memphis is another story, but I remember I was sitting in the classroom, it's, class, it's full or whatever, and um, the human resources lady, she comes in and she's, she's strict, she, no, uh, she, she's no nonsense, you know, she takes names and, you know, she takes names and spank them too, like she's that type of lady. She comes in there, everybody, she's like, all rise, and I'm like, stand up. And uh, she's, you know, put your hand, you know, one hand on your heart, the other in there. And we, <laughs> we, uh, we pretty much take an oath. And it's the same oath that the president takes. And I'm like, I mean, she's serious. She's not like, oh, you know, do you, do, do, no. She's stern. Just repeat after me. And, uh, you know, there's one person that was kind of just, uh, hey, hey, sir, sir, I need you to say this with some effort. And we started all over. I'm like, oh snap! <laughs> I'm like, so at that point, I, you know, I had, I felt like I had a little tickle out there. <clears throat> I'm like, we, she ain't gonna call me out. We're getting this. We, we gonna. 
And, you know, but we were charged with, you know, as a mail carrier, we are charged with certain duties. As Jesus followers, as disciples of Jesus, you are charged with making disciples. And making disciples looks like not just sharing the doctrine, not just sharing theology, but also sharing our lives. Somebody say our lives. Now, I remember in high school, there was this show called MTV Cribs. Oh, I loved it. Uh, you know, they actually have the episodes on YouTube. But on MTV Cribs, the way it would work, MTV Cribs, it was the show of all the celebrities, all the famous celebrities. And what they would do, uh, the uh, network would take a camera crew, and they would, uh, they would go inside the celebrity's house. And you get to see, you know, how they lived. You got to see their cars, you know, the food in the fridge. I mean, like, the spin- I mean, it'd be massive mansions, the courts on the outside, ball courts and all this and whatever but every time never failed every time you know the way the way the show would set up you know, do a little intro and then you know you see the camera guy knock on the door and all of a sudden the door opens and let's say it's Shaquille O'Neal Shaquille O'Neal hey woke up uh, what's up MTV welcome to my crib come inside and see how I live and then you know you you pretty much follow him and you get to see all those different things and stuff that's you know that's the way it is as we are making disciples we're inviting people into our lives and saying, hey, as we follow Christ, follow us. Now, see, that's heavy. It makes your personal lives a lot more heavier when you think about it that way. Because if we're going to make disciples, we're literally saying, hey, I follow Jesus. Come follow me and I'll show you how it's done. I'll show you how it's done. Now, on the show, uh, you know, on, uh, on MTV Cribs, there was never an episode where you saw the laundry laying around. You never saw the you never saw the fridge half empty. You know, you never saw the ketchup bottles, you know, turned upside down, you know, trying to get the last little bit. You know, when they went into the kitchen, the fridges were always stopped. The sodas were always turned where the label faced the camera. I, I never thought about it until as an adult. And I'm like, oh, that was probably intentional. But, you know, the shoes were always uh, up in the up in the closet, you know, always in color coordination order and, you know, clean. And they never had a speck of dirt. There wasn't shoes laying by the door. You know, the kid the you never saw the oh, this mm, you never saw the kids toys spread out everywhere. The diapers, you never saw the trash. Everything was always pristine and precise. But that's not what discipleship making looks like. Because when you're inviting people into your life, you're not just you're not just you're not interested in showing them all the oh, oh you know, hold oh, oh, before you come into my life. Let me you know, let me straighten up. No, no, no. Hey, come into my life. Watch me as I parent my kids. Watch me as I make mistakes. Watch me as I as I as I try to reflect God on my marriage. Watch me as I struggle to get up in the morning to go to work. Watch me as I oversleep. Watch me as I you know as I uh, run the car all the way down to empty because you know life you know you you're inviting people to see all of you, Amen. not just not just the prim and proper stuff. Why? Because we allow Jesus to affect all of our lives. In Him we live, we move, we have our being. Not a part of us in him has those options. No, all of us. Amen? Amen. So when we are in disciple-making process, we are doing the same thing like that show. We're inviting people into our lives. We are sharing with them not just the gospel, but our lives too. Watch this. It's a problem when people see you struggle with intimacy in your worship, but you have no problem speaking intimately or thinking intimate thoughts or crossing intimate boundaries with someone that you are dating. It's a problem when we struggle with worship, when we struggle being intimate, when we struggle being transparent, humble, open, and honest. 
with Jesus, but we have no problem being humble, open, or honest with a significant other or, or a person that we're dating or, or a friend or a coworker. We have no problem being like that with people on this side of heaven, but we struggle being that on the other side of heaven. It's a problem. It shows people that are looking at us that like, oh, they don't, they don't take this thing serious. They don't take their relationship with Jesus serious. Let me give you a Zonaism. Can I do that this morning? Wherever you struggle spiritually, the opposite can be said about an area in your flesh. Wherever you struggle spiritually, the opposite can be said about an area in your flesh. A lot of times, I've heard it over and over and over before, but a lot of times people will say that they struggle finding time to pray, but nobody, nobody struggles staying current on Netflix shows. Nobody struggles staying current on the news. Watch this. Nobody struggles staying current on the weather or the lotto numbers or Sister Junebug got a new car. Did you see it? No. Nobody struggles staying current on the obituaries. Hey, hey, so-and-so passed. Oh, man, we got to go, go visit. Go take them a meal. Hey, so-and-so had a baby. Oh, we got, we got, look, what's that baby name? Why they name it that? Oh, I don't like that. <laughs> we have no problem staying current on things that are trivial. Watch this. We have no problem staying current on things that are temporal. But we have a problem investing and staying current on things that are everlasting, things that are eternal. We have a problem praying. We have a problem worshiping. We have a problem finding time to, to give the Lord five minutes. So really, here's the question. Do, you, do we struggle finding time to pray, or do we, struggle finding, uh, do we struggle putting our phones down, turning the TV off, placing Jesus first? You'd be surprised. Five minutes will pass by faster than you could imagine. And do I say you only got to do five minutes? No, you do whatever you're comfortable with. But what I'm saying is at least five minutes, at least five minutes. We have no problem giving that big rectangle in our den or living room 30 minutes, 45 minutes or an hour. Hour and a half, two hours, depending on how, how long the Christmas movie is. We have no problem. And guess what? That rectangle can't talk to you. Rectangle can't lay hands on you. It, it, it can't bring you no food. It can't save your soul. <laughs> it can't make you whole. I don't know. I just had to. <laughs> we have no problem giving that rectangle our devotion. Mm. Devotion is something that's consistent. We have no problem giving it our devotion. And if we're inviting people into this discipleship making process, then we're showing, we're allowing them to say, hey, this is what I do. Do, do as I do. And that's scary. It makes, it makes your private time or it makes your personal life more, uh, it makes the weight of it heavier. Amen. So when you're making disciples, you are inviting them into your life and they are perceiving, watch this, they are perceiving that everything you do is okay when it comes to serving the Lord. They are perceiving that everything you do is okay when it comes to serving the Lord. Let me give you an example. Little children, when little children watch adults, mom has told me over and over again, you know, you can't do that in front of the boys. You can't do that in front of the boys. I threw something upstairs one time. You know, in my mind, I'm like, nailed it, you know, because it got out of there. And here comes Cohen. Yeah. <laughs> Why did he do Now, did it make it upstairs? Lord, no. It went straight to the couch. 
<laughs> he can. He can. He can make it downstairs. But why did he do that? Because he is following his dad. And what he's seen his father do, watch this, he thinks he can do. Not only does he think he can do, what he has seen his father do gives him permission to do the same. Watch this. So if, so if people are watching you do life, it is giving them permission to do the same thing. So therefore, what we are doing in our private time, what we are doing at home, what the things that we're watching, the things that we're listening to, the things that uh, we allow to influence us, are they, uh, are they okay are they okay for people to replicate? Are they the kind of things that are going to uh, strengthen people's faith or strengthen their doubts? The things that we do in our private time, does it strengthen your commitment to Jesus or does it strengthen your doubt? That's hard. Does it strengthen your commitment to Jesus or does it strengthen your doubt? One perspective we often overlook is when Jesus said the harvest is ripe, it's like it was uh, when he said that it was actually like a check engine light on a car flashing, letting us know that letting us know that, hey, make sure your house is in order because the harvest is coming. Make sure that what you're doing when you close the door, make sure it's something that's not going to cause other people to stumble. Paul said it best. He said, hey, uh, this thing I have no problem with, but if I know it's going to cause somebody to stumble, I won't do it. Why? Because he knew that, hey, following Jesus takes discipline. Disciple is a derivative of discipline. You know that. They're, they're, they're twins. They, you, you can't be a disciple and be undisciplined. You, you can't be disciplined but not be willing to be a disciple. No, it, it goes hand in hand. It goes hand in hand. But when Jesus said uh, the harvest is ripe, it was like that check engine light coming on and flashing that you see in your car. Make sure your house is in order because the harvest is coming. Make sure that what you're doing when you close the door, make sure it's something that's not going to cause other people to stumble. Paul said it best. He said, hey, this thing I have no problem with, but if I know it's going to cause somebody to stumble, I won't do it. Why? Because he knew that, hey, following Jesus takes discipline. Disciple is a derivative of discipline. You know that. They're they're, they're twins. you, You can't be a disciple and be undisciplined. You can't be disciplined but not be willing to be a disciple. No, it goes hand in hand. It goes hand in hand. But when Jesus said uh, the harvest is ripe, it was like that check engine light coming on and flashing that you see in your car. Make sure your house is in order because the harvest is coming. The harvest is coming. The harvest is ripe. The harvest is coming. They are watching you on your job. The harvest is watching you on your job. Especially if they know you, especially if they know you follow Jesus. They are watching to see how you how you talk, the jokes that you join in or the jokes that you will stay from. The harvest is watching you when you're at the grocery store. What man? What what's she purchasing? Ooh, ooh, is that so? Okay, we can do that. Better yet, they're watching us at the football game on Friday night, or the basketball game, or they're watching us at the event in town on Saturdays. Or I think uh, there's there's an event coming up here. Uh, in the next couple of weeks, I definitely know Veterans Day is coming up and they'll do the parade and uh, all the ceremonies and all that stuff. The harvest is watching you to see how you're going to respond. Even better yet, Lindsay, well, I don't go to any of those things. OK, the harvest is watching you online. The harvest is watching to see what you post. The harvest is watching to see what you like and share, to see what you comment on. Well, Lindsay, you know, it's just it's just light. We're just being funny. Yeah, you, you may just it just may it may be funny to you. But what may be funny to you may be a hindrance to somebody else. 
Maybe an obstacle of somebody else. Let me say this. Let me say it this way. Because of my age, I, I, I've, I've grown compared to my children. So therefore, I can step over things. Why? Because my body's matured enough. It's grown up enough that I can reach over obstacles, certain obstacles. I can step, I, you know, I can spread my legs and I can go from here to there where my kids, they can't do that yet. So therefore, I can continue to leave them in the dust or I can evaluate where they are and create bridges to get them from where they are to me so they can stay connected with me. Are we building bridges for people that we are, that God has put on our hearts to pray for? Are we building bridges for them or are we just continuing to further the distance between them and God? We have the saying on my job because one of the things that uh, it's, it's very tempting to do like, a, you know, you get a workload, a normal, normal size workload for me on Saturdays is about maybe 90-something packages between, between, <laughs> between 70 and 90. If it's less than 70, it's a great day. If it's, if it's more than 90, whoo, you know, it's going to be a 5 o'clock day. But, uh, but you know, and, uh, you know, we, and we have them all in order. You know, you know, you can, there's a little trick on the scanner. You can scan it and it'll put it in order. Or if you've done the route long enough, you know what houses come first. So, and I've done this particular route long enough. I don't have to do the scanner trick. I, you know, I write and bid Sharpie what the number is and I stack them in order in my car. And sometimes, you know, if you're moving good enough, you get in a good rhythm. It's dirt roads. It's not polished roads. So therefore you slide and you may be drifting a little bit. Packages go here and there. But as long as you know where they're at, you're good. And there's always the temptation when you get back to the post office and you're cleaning out the car, making sure you ain't got nothing else. And you stick your hand underneath the seat and there's a package. You're like, no, no, I thought I was going home. There's times where I've tipped Kelsey like, I misdelivered a package or I forgot a package. I will be back. You know, the temptation is to scan it, to scan it to where it could be delivered tomorrow. That way you can go on home. And, you know, they encourage us not to do that. And one of the ways they encourage us not to do that is they always quote this quote. And I love it. But literally it says integrity. You know, they say do your job with integrity. Integrity takes a lifetime to build, but only one moment to break. When it comes to this discipleship making process, when it comes to following Jesus, integrity. Yes, it may not. Whatever you do in life, uh, whatever you do in your private time, it may not be uh, a stumbling for you. It may not be an issue for you. But understand this integrity. It takes a lifetime to build and a moment to break. So you got to understand, OK, if I'm going to do this in front of people, is this going to be something that causes them to lose integrity or cause them to lose faith in me or faith in Jesus being who he said he is? We have, we have to ask ourselves that. And that's the case. Of, okay, we may have to do this on my own time when, no, when it's just me, myself, and Irene. I mean, like, whatever it is. Or just say, okay, Lord, if this is, a, if this is something that's going to make it, make it or break it, if this is going to be something that breaks the camel's back, Lord, give me an alternative. Give me an alternative. You know, I, lo- I love music. I love all, all genres of music. Uh, minus two. I'll say that. Minus two. Um, yeah, yeah, minus two. Listen, we can talk about it later, but those two genres, if I told you, you'd be like, okay, Lindsay, yeah, I don't like those either. Thank you. Um, you know, so I, 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 I like to stay well balanced, but there are some songs, you know, on my work playlist, I'll be working and I have all kinds of stuff. I have songs from when I was in high school. I have songs from uh, my parents' era because I'll be missing them. So I put those in there so I can think about them. Or I, you know, I have Christian songs, I have all kinds of songs. And there's sometimes where I've listened to enough music where I'm like, okay, I can feel this getting in my spirit. All right, I need to, I need to pause this and move on to something 
move on something that's going to feed me. That's that check engine light, that warning indicator light, like, hey, hey, all right, time, time to evaluate where you're, the, the status of your heart, the status of your mind, the status of your spirit. The harvest is ripe. The harvest is ready. Hey, hey, if you were to pull these earbuds out and let everybody hear, is this going to be something that hinders people or strengthens people in their faith? If we were to take all the walls down and allow people to see what we're watching on TV, is this going to be something that's going to strengthen or hinder people's faith? If we were allowed people to see how we how we treat our significant other or how we what we do, what we allow or don't allow as we date, how we treat our kids, how we treat our boss, Mm. how we treat the cousin that we don't like seeing all the time. If people were to see how we did, would it be strengthening or would it cause or would it strengthen their doubt? Would it strengthen their faith in Jesus or would it strengthen their doubt? Amen? Amen. So why am I focusing on us making disciples? Because it's the number one agenda of God's kingdom. God. It's the number one job. Someone said number one job. Number one job. Literally, we read it in Matthew chapter 28, verse 19. Go and make disciples. Go and make people that, are, that will lean into Jesus, that will give their life to Jesus, serve him, and love them wholeheartedly. And then replicate that same process. Go and make the disciples. Listen, the agenda of Jesus' church is not members. It's disciples. Amen. God's agenda for the church, the church as a whole, the bride of Christ is disciples, not just members. Member, that, that's, that's us. That's America. America has, fo- for, has focused so much on, okay, we got to grow the church, grow the church, got to grow the church. And I want to see this church grow. But at the same time, we said it when we first moved here, that our focus should be on who you are becoming, not just on who's coming. Amen. Who are you becoming? Are you becoming a person that reflects more of the image of Jesus through your conversations? Are you, be, are you a person that's becoming more, more like Jesus and you're able to hold your tongue when people make you mad? Are you being like Jesus? Are you becoming more and more like Jesus that the moment that the doctor gives you a diagnosis that doesn't align up with what he's done at the cross, you're able to reject it, rebuke it, and say, okay, I, I hear you. All right, now I'm, I'm going to call, call it as, as it is so. Are you a person that has more faith in Jesus or you have more faith in your doubts? Amen. Amen. See, what kept the church in Acts in a in a perpetual growth was the fact that they weren't focused on growing a nonprofit organization. They were focused on saving souls. They were focused on freeing minds from religion. They were focused on Jesus's commission. See, the church, uh, the church, uh, our focus has to be Jesus's commission. Our focus has to be Jesus's commission. Amen. 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 I said a lot, but let me close with this. The Barner Research Group, I worked this down. The Barner Research Group published the results of one of their many surveys. And the stats are, check this out. The stats are eight out of 10 Christians has never won a soul to Christ. Eight out of 10 Christians. And it gets, it gets a little heavier. Eight out of 10 Christians have never won a soul to Christ, nor have they tried to enlarge the kingdom of God within three blocks of their own home. Oh, wow. Jesus. I, I'm going to be honest. I only know two neighbors beside where we at. And I, I can't even tell you. And really, the one on this side, I've never talked to her. I just know of her. So we'll say one and a half. <laughs> and that's bad. Amen. That's bad because... I have a relationship with the Lord. God is my papa. 
I'm in union with him, not because of anything I've done, but because of what he did. And if that's true, then I should I should not only get to know my neighbors, but I should be praying for them. I should be interceding for them. I should be loving them. I should be checking in on them. And they should they should be able to walk by and see, hey, those are Christians up there. Well, how you know they're Christians? Well, listen, they won't they can't stay out of my business. They always checking on me, loving on me, praying for me, seeing if I need anything. Well, I seen if I need some help with this or help with that. They just the other day they want to come over just to do life. What does that mean? Do life with me. They just yeah, they follow Jesus because that's that's what Jesus does. That should be the testimony of uh, when people talk about you. When people think of you. Oh, man, that's right. She follows Jesus. She can't stay out of my business. She's always praying for me, wanting to know, do I need anything? Intercede. I don't know what interceding means, but she says she's interceding for me. Praise God. It's a word. Jesus. What a testimony. Jesus. What a testimony. That when people, that when people think of you, they know, oh, yeah, that, they follow Jesus because they, they are always checking in on me. Praying for me, and they and listen. You don't have to agree with them. Right. You don't have to. You're. I'll spoil alert. You are not going to agree with everybody. That's right. You are not going to agree with everybody. Us not making disciples is like water not being wet. Jesus. Mm. Us not us not making disciples is like water not being wet. It's like KFC not making chicken. <laughs> It's like McDonald's not making the Big Mac. It's like a basketball not bouncing. It's like a tear without air, a tire without air. In other words, we should be making disciples. If you are following Jesus, you got to be making disciples. Amen. One or the other. And here's a scary, here's a scary fact. A lot of us, we are making disciples. We just don't realize it. But why just who are we leading them to follow? Because some, you're, people are always watching you. That's right. People are always getting advice from you. That's, that's, you know, we, we don't realize it, but that's why people ask you for your advice on different things. So that's why people ask you, hey, hey, how do you feel about this? How do you feel? Why? Because deep down, secretly, subconsciously, they're looking to you for inspiration. They're looking to you for answers. Why? Because they don't understand it yet, but God is living inside of you. And they don't realize that what's in you is what they need. The problem is, if we don't recognize that, we will lead them to follow someone else or something else. Rather than following who we follow, which is Jesus. Amen. Amen. Making disciples is important. We should be making disciples. Listen, the devil may already be playing the strings of your insecurities and make you feel like, okay, I don't know all theology. I don't know Genesis all the way to Revelation. I don't know the authors. I don't know the the uh, the Torah. I don't know all these different things. That you don't have to know all those different things. Because we read in 1 Thessalonians 2, 8 that Paul said, not only did we share the doctrine, not only did we share the gospel, but we shared our lives. Amen. Amen. Somebody say life. Life. Doesn't matter. You may feel like you don't know enough to lead people to Christ, but I promise you, you do. Watch this. I'm going to make a promise to you. You ready? You ready? You have what it takes because what it takes has you. You have what it takes because what it takes has you. You have what it takes because what it takes has you. You have what it takes because what it takes has you because you are in Christ. And guess what? We live. We move. We have our being in him.
And once you're in Christ, you have what it takes to offer life to life discipleship, to friends, to family, to coworkers, to neighbors, anybody that God puts on your heart. You have what it takes to lead them. Why? Because you're in Jesus. Therefore, you have what it takes because what it takes has you. It's not about being an expert in doctrine and theology. It's more about mirroring Jesus as you gaze upon him and, and pass along what you see. Discipleship is about mirroring what you see as you gaze upon Jesus and then pass that along. What people say, is, you don't have to have all the answers. Hey, hey, what is, how does Jesus feel about this? You know what? I don't know. Let, let's dive into the scriptures and see. Or let's take these next few minutes and pray and see. Let's see what the Lord tells us. What do you mean you don't have all the answers? Well, I don't have all the answers, but I know the one that has all the answers. What do you mean you don't have the solution to this? I don't have the solution to this, but I know the one. I know the one that can solve it. I know the one that's already solved it. That's what, that, that, that's what our lives should be looking like. Can we do that with the people that we work with tomorrow? Can you do that at work with the coworkers? When the temptation arises to criticize somebody or criticize the job or criticize the day. Oh, it's a Monday. You know what Monday is going to be like. Can you have the boldness and the wherewithal to be like, hey, this is, hey, this is a brand new day. I don't know if you knew, but there's new grace today. Did you know there's new grace? What do you mean new grace? Here, let me tell you about what new grace looks like. And right there, that's an opportunity. Wow, I, I didn't know that. You didn't, yeah, let me, let me tell you a little bit more. And it's over time, you just begin moments like that. Well, Lindsay, what if I work with, what if everybody I work with is already saved? Ooh, even better. You just went further into the, into the race. Now you've bypassed some things and now you can encourage them to tighten that grip, tighten that firm persuasion that they have on Jesus and his promises. Amen. We said it last week, but Fotini, she didn't have what we have as far as technology. She had a face-to-face -face encounter with Jesus, and she still got the whole village saved. Amen? Let me give you some action steps, and then we're done. Some action steps on how, to, on how for us to make disciples. We, have, we need to be doing this because Jesus said, go and make disciples. And the harvest is ripe. So, action step number one, survey your personal rhythms. And make sure there's nothing within it that will cause others to trip up. Go through, go through what you do on a daily basis and make sure there's, okay, there's, there's nothing in, in what I do is going to cause others to trip up. And if there is, then, you know, okay, maybe I need to shelf this and have the Lord show me an alternative. Number two, through relationships you currently have, God will turn those into discipleship moments relationships that you currently have God will turn the relationships that you currently have into discipleship moments or discipleship opportunities excuse me say it again through relationships you currently have God will turn those relationships into discipleship opportunities pray for the people that he brings to your mind pray for the people that he brings to your mind Pray for your family, all the cousins. Pray for the community. Pray for your coworkers. A 
another one. Ask him to help you discern whom he might be calling you to invest in personally. Ask him to help you to discern whom he might be calling you to invest in personally. And this last one, pray for an awareness of the boldness he already gave you. Pray for an awareness of the boldness that he already gave you. Lindsay, how do, how do, how do you know that he's already given me boldness? Goes back to Sunday school, sitting in that little classroom, and we've assigned it, but we all know it. God did not give you a spirit of fear, but a spirit of power, love, and a sound mind. Amen.